Hey everyone, thanks for listening in on the second episode of Spill the Beats. Today I'm interviewing a friend of mine, Isha Nandiala. Isha is a 19-year-old singer-songwriter who has recently lived and spent time performing in Nashville, Tennessee. There, she worked with Grammy-winning artists like Liz Rose, who's written for other musicians like Taylor Swift. In this episode, we're going to talk about Isha's journey to becoming a songwriter, her time in Nashville, and her song titled You Make Me Feel which I'm going to play for you right now. In the corner of the room You're watching me like poetry And I've always been This whole song and other songs Isha wrote on her YouTube channel, Isha Music. Now let's get into the interview. Hey Isha, thanks for being here with me today. Hi Navani, thank you for having me. Can you introduce yourself a little bit, like talk about what you do? Sure thing. I am a singer-songwriter and also a family friend of Navani's. (laughs) So (laughs) that's how we know each other, but I... I write my own songs, I perform, I'm planning on recording some stuff to release soon. Um, In general, I'm just like a pop artist, also singer-songwriter type stuff, but I love music and everything to do with it. Awesome. So in the beginning of the episode, we played one of your songs, You Make Me Feel. And before we talk more about that song, can you tell me how you started getting into music and making your own music? Yeah, um... How did I get into music was because my mom actually taught Hindustani classical music, which is this form of Indian classical music. So since I was four years old, just by like osmosis, (laughs) she would like teach me. Um, And I remember like we had around four neighborhood kids that would come to our house and we'd all learn together. And eventually now it's expanded to something way bigger. But that's how I first learned music. But then I was living in America, obviously, so, like, I was attuned to radio and, like, pop music and stuff like that, and that's just the stuff I enjoyed (laughs) listening to in my own time, and I remember my dad, he saw me, like, perform, and I was really into singing, obviously, but he encouraged me to write my own songs, because he's always about, like, you know, create, don't consume, so I was (laughs) like, okay, like, (laughs) I think I wrote my first song when I was... 12 or 13 and it was something so emo like I used to be so dramatic for no reason but I just loved having a song that was mine like it just gave me so much fulfillment that like oh my god like I just wrote this and I'm gonna sing it over and over and over and over again and from there it grew into me just writing like hundreds of songs and you know getting guitar lessons and performing at open mics stuff like that and eventually 
Okay, is this like a too much of a long answer? I'm just thinking, how did I get into music? Okay, I've answered that, right? Yes. It doesn't okay. matter how long it is. I'll like, say, talk about whatever's oh. important to you. Okay, because I'm like going through my whole life story right now. <laughs> no, no I think that's I good. Okay, okay. I mean, that's how I got into music was through my mom. And then my dad made me, you know, write my own music. Awesome. And what made you choose guitar instead of, you know, any other instrument? Yeah, I mean... um, Guitar was portable (laughs) and also that's just the instrument I saw all my you know my favorite artists they knew how to play they knew how to play guitar and like you know they would play it on stage and it was just assumed that's what you do (laughs) like I want to write songs I want to be on stage I should learn how to play guitar so I remember I didn't I just had a guitar secondhand um some like trashy guitar for like four-year-olds that we had in our basement So I just used that and it was very much like a fake it till you make it type thing because I saw they always had something in their hand, but I didn't realize it was a pick. So I cut up like a credit card into like a triangle (laughs) and I would just like have that in my hand because yeah, it was more of like I see everyone has it, but like, what is it? I don't care. Like, I'll just have it, I guess, until I figure it out. And then that's when my guitar teacher saw me at an open mic and he was like, yeah, like, let me teach you. <laughs> like, you, you have potential, but you're, like, way off on so many things. Very self-sufficient, though. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, not in a good way. It's just kind of, like, in my own – it's, like, my own path, but, like, it's going the wrong direction. So I'm thankful I learned. Yeah. And also, why did you start sharing your music, you know, on youtube like performing live i remember i think when i was really young you made this video complaining about comcast oh my god that's so funny you mentioned that because i realized okay here's the thing that was also my dad's idea in terms of like um there was this comcast call that had gone viral of this customer service man who was relentless like he was just like why are you leaving us like how could you leave us we're number one so my dad's like this is a great opportunity like write a song about it and so I was like yeah okay whatever (laughs) I just wrote a song like in the back of my car in like literally five minutes and um I didn't know how to play piano but that was another thing where I was like everyone plays piano on YouTube so like I have to fake it so I played like two keys I had two (laughs) hands on the piano but I didn't even play more than like two keys back and forth just to like have the tempo going and my mom like was I kid you not my mom was in the background with like a pan and like a spatula beating the pan (laughs) to make like a drum beat and I was just like oh like this is what people do like obviously I have to you know make with what I have and that video got like 23,000 views or something too I was too young and too dumb to realize how big of like a deal that is for just like any musician, I feel like you see the people with millions of views, but like 23,000 is a lot. And I yeah. like, I'm trying to get that like now. <laughs> but we went to your house actually. And um, Kishore uncle, Navani's dad, he was like, oh yeah, I saw Isha on Yahoo. My dad's like, bro, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> this girl is 11 years old. What do you mean? Yeah, he thought I was like in science fair or something. And he saw me in Yahoo. He's like, no, like you're like, you know, your daughter is like on Yahoo for like her song. And then from there, we realized that there was, like, an Atlantic article written about me. Wow. And, like, that song. But here's the funny thing is that <laughs> my it was on my dad's YouTube channel, right? 
So the whole article is like 13-year-old Shrikanth Mandiala has like <laughs> written this ballad. Like Shrikanth is so uh, Shrikanth is my dad's yeah. name. Like I, that's not my name. So my dad had to change the title to like 13-year-old Isha Nandiala, like plays the Comcast song. But that was funny. That was a yeah, that was my first first taste of like little virality and I was just mm-hmm. like I need that like I want to share more so what made you want is it your dad that made you want to share in the first place and then you just went off that yeah I mean I've always kind of been pretty the only reason I would think that I wouldn't share something is like if I'm scared that like people from school would see it or something or like oh my How god I'm, feeling I'm like about embarrassed this podcast. <laughs> oh my god don't <laughs> please this is already so much fun I mean I'm talking so it's fun I don't know if anyone's <laughs> gonna like want to hear this but um no it's great I think I was just I've always been like really first of all I don't have that many friends so it's like <laughs> Who am I going to embarrass? Like, no one's watching it. That's the thing is, like, I just kept putting stuff out. And if people did happen to find it, like, it's it tended to be positive reactions. And that's the thing. Even in school, like, when I was doing music, it was never, like, I got bullied for it. People just really just, like, didn't give a shit. Like, they were just kind of like, oh, like, you play music. Even my friends, they were just kind of like, oh, yeah, like, Oh, they didn't, they never mentioned my videos. Like it wasn't a topic of conversation. So I would just keep doing it and like filling it in this void. And um, it just became routine. It just became part of like who I was. I was like, yeah, like I'm on social media to share my music. Like, mm-hmm. and I wrote the song, like listen to this song. So, um, but yeah, my dad is definitely the type of person where I knew really early on that I wanted to do music and to do it like seriously. <laughs> and like, you know, as an actual career opportunity and he is like no nonsense kind of like every single time he saw a stage he's like go and ask to sing like go and ask to sing your song and stuff like that we'd be in like like Dominican Republic or something with like paid singers and he's like go and ask to sing and the thing is I I was obviously uncomfortable I was like I'm on vacation like bro let me live but at the same time I knew I was like if I don't do this he will hold it over my head and like make sure I know that I was not brave enough to like go and ask to like share my music or whatever. So I think it started off as like to prove a point that like I'm serious about this. Like, you know, like I'm risking my repu- my non-existent reputation yeah. <laughs> like on the internet. But um, no, it's totally cool now. It's just kind of like what I do. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you thought people were going to judge you badly in school because you ended up, I think you, you wrote a piece for UNICEF, um, for your school's orchestra. So you wrote something for your school to perform. Oh, yeah. That was that was a really fun, fun project. I feel like that was the thing is I always felt like nobody cares. But then my orchestra teacher, his name is Mr. Lauren. Shout out. Robert Lauren. He's my favorite teacher in the whole world. He he would like actively you know follow me on Facebook and like my videos and always like when I came to class he would always be like I love the new song you came out with or like I love this line in this lyric and like for the first time I was like oh my god somebody's like listening to my music and actually like thinks I'm good or like you know a pre and especially since that's like a music teacher you're like oh my god like their word holds so much weight so he was the one who encouraged me to write a song for UNICEF because we always go on this tour for charity 
to raise funds for UNICEF. And he's like, hey, like you write songs. Why don't you try writing a song and composing for an orchestra <laughs> for this song? And I was like, it's again like that whole like fake it till you make it thing. I, I In hindsight, I don't know how much belief he had in me to like compose for a whole orchestra because I didn't know anything about music theory. I didn't know anything about composing. But I was like, okay, sure, I'll do it. And then I wrote a song in literally like that day I came home I wrote the song and I went the next day to like share it with him and he loved it so I ended up composing like based on ear I was just like this kind of sounds cool like this harmony line or whatever and then that you know came to fruition and the whole thing with the whole like people judging you like that was definitely more like people just like made fun of it like it was kind of a meme (laughs) like obviously for me it was really important because I was like this song means so much to me and like I just spent so much time on it and everyone was just like making or especially like guys like guys in my class were just making so much fun of it and like the president of the orchestra was like making jokes about it in the chat and I literally had to chat with him separately I was like hey I know you think it's funny but like don't do that. I, I was like such a like I was so blah I was like don't do that like you're not supposed to be doing that so that was like the first time that I actually like people were making fun of it and I was like whatever but I I don't know like it meant a lot to me and then the next year I did it again and got a letter from the UNICEF CEO who was like yeah. I really liked your piece like you know like you showed a lot of passion and whatnot so yeah, thank you, Mr. Lauren. Thank you to the orchestra for playing my piece. <laughs> like, And what was it like to write for an orchestra? Especially, as you said, since you really didn't have that much of a background in music theory. Yeah, I mean, I always write with a guitar. Or at least I learned to after I learned guitar. So that's how I started it. I sent him the song acoustically. And then based on that, there's note flight. There are different applications where you can virtually write for an orchestra so that was just like I would just play I'd literally play around for hours like on note flight just like trying different arrangements and the thing with the orchestra is I feel like even if it's simple it just sounds so pretty right with the song like I just remember when we were at the dress rehearsal and we were like singing the song and the orchestra was playing behind me I literally almost cried it was like so surreal I was like oh my god like did I write this music and it's like coming in my ears while I'm performing it was just so like euphoric in that moment so um especially for it's not a classical piece like it has singing it has guitar so the orchestra part was pretty more accompaniment type music Mm -hmm. but it sounded nice I liked it I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was really cool. Thanks, (laughs) Navani. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about your experiences in Nashville. So you took a gap year um, from college, and now you're going to Stanford University um, to perform in Nashville um, and really pursue your songwriting over there. So how did you get – what made you go there? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I mean, I – always get like everyone's always like oh why don't you go to like LA or like New York or whatever but I got in contact with um there's a songwriter there named Liz Rose who when I was 16 I went to a workshop in Nashville that she was holding and she's like a Grammy winning songwriter she's written with like 
the biggest thing she's done is written with like Taylor Swift. Like she was, you know, most of her album, like I think until Red, she co-wrote like a lot of those songs. And, um, you know, Little Big Town, a lot of country artists too. But I got in contact with her and she saw me performing and she really liked my music, which was another kind of like very validating feeling where I was like, oh my God, like <laughs> someone who actually knows music like likes it. <laughs> but I got to write with her like a couple times a month for a couple of years while I was in high school. I would travel to Nashville and um, I do a lot of like residencies there, which are like performing at certain venues multiple times. So like Bluebird Cafe was a big one. And um, I'd write with her and I'd go to different venues and just like literally listen to people and try to play wherever I could. So when I was graduating high school, I knew I wanted to do a gap year. I didn't want to go to college right away. I was like, I've been doing school my whole life. I just want to do music for at least a year. And Nashville seemed the most natural because I had connections there. So I wasn't going in blind and it was cheaper and it was a smaller town. Like it wasn't intimidating like New York can be or LA especially. So I went and I would write at Liz Rose Music as their publishing house. I would write there almost every single day and um, I'd write with different people. I'd meet with different artists and play shows and it was definitely like some of the best six months like I had to leave early because of the pandemic unfortunately so gap year more like gap like six months or so but when I was there I definitely had like such a fun time and I definitely felt like oh my god like this is a taste of what I want to do and the people I want to be friends with and you know being independent living on your own it was a bunch of different stuff at the same time but I'm really glad I got to do it in the friendliest city in America. That's what it's called because the people there are just so nice. So I hope that answers the question. No, it does. (laughs) And working with Liz Rose, what did you, how did you grow as a songwriter in your opinion? And as, and as a performer, because you were performing, were you performing every night? Um, I tried to do every night or at least like, I would say like three or four times in a week at night. Yeah, it's a lot um, they'll of have performance r- opportunities. <laughs> yeah, no, they have tons of writers rounds. And first of all, Nashville is music city. So I would say like 50% of the people there are musicians. It's just so everywhere you turn, there is a venue or there's an artist or there's, you know, there wasn't a dearth of opportunity. I feel like New Jersey, that was definitely my biggest problem was I would always have to go to like New Hope or I'd have to travel to like New York or Philadelphia to like actually get a venue but here there was a lot of a lot of opportunities so I think as a performer I definitely I just I got better practice at it and um I got a better feel for my type of audience and you know my skills and my weaknesses and stuff like that because you can tell when people are listening and when people are not and especially which songs they like which songs they don't You get a very quick reaction. So that was very helpful. And I also, it made me write more because I was performing so often. I didn't want to play the same like three songs everywhere. So I wrote a lot more. Um, If not Liz, like Liz is pretty busy, but 
Femka Widema, she won some Latin Grammys. I wrote with her quite a bit and a lot of other singer-songwriters I wrote with them. I'd never co-written before, so that was very valuable in terms of like other people can tell really quickly what's your comfort zone, what's your like, you know, what's outside your comfort zone. So they'll push you before you even know that you've been pushed. And also I think before it had been really stream of consciousness, like I'll write when I'm inspired type thing. Here it's like, it's a job, you know, like you have to do it every day and you have to find ways to be creative and find hooks. And Nashville songwriting is so different in terms of how they write because it's very country music, like imagery and like hooks and stuff like that, which I don't do country music, but like I take a lot of you know, insight from that process. Nice. Do you think you also take some influence from your Indian classical background in your own songwriting right now? Yeah, you know what's funny is like I never, I never even processed that. I always just kind of wrote songs that I thought were interesting and I love like cool melody lines and like jazzy chords and whatnot. But every time I perform, there's at least one person (laughs) after the show who's like, have you done like Indian music before? And I'm always like, okay, is this person like racist or like, am I, am I like, is it something that kind of, and most of the time it's like, no, you just have like this really cool inflection or like the way that you sing is very um, unique or different. Cause the way I songwrite is very American. Like that's how I learned it. But the way that I sing, I haven't taken like Western vocal lessons. Like I've only ever taken you know, Indian classical vocal lessons. So the way I adapt that to American music is, I'm sure it has influence and like, um, you know, you learn it. So that's what you produce. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about your song. um, You make me feel. When did you write that song? Um, I wrote that song like last year. I wrote that like December of last year. Is it something that you think resonated with your audience? Yeah. The funny thing is the reason I chose that song is because it like unexpectedly kind of like blew up on TikTok. (laughs) Like um, literally like a week ago. It has like 200,000 views right now or something like that. Which is, I know it's insane because. Surpassed your um, podcast video. I know, finally. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say it's much harder to get like a viral YouTube video than TikTok. But um, it's funny because, like I said, like when you're playing songs live, you can gauge, you know, quick reaction, what people like, what people don't. But it also depends on who you're playing for. So I was in Nashville. I was playing for a lot of like, frankly, like old white guys (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) who are like, you know, used to like dirt in my truck and she's shaking her butt, like stuff like that. (laughs) So I had to take it with a grain of salt when they like, couldn't understand what I was singing or whatever and then TikTok like all the girls and gays got my back because they were like in the comments they were like I love this song or like this is my favorite song and I was like really like this song never got like anything like I put it on YouTube and I got maybe like 20 views but now you know it's a different audience altogether TikTok is more people my age more people you know um who like the same things I like and stuff like that. So this is the song I'm planning on releasing soon just because it blew up and like a lot of people wanted it on Spotify. So I'm working on producing that and um, releasing that soon. That's why I chose it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it felt relevant. 
to now. And what does the song mean to you? Yeah, I mean, what does it mean to me? I wrote it. If you listen to the song, it's just about like having a crush and just being so excited to be around this person. Just like very wholesome love song. And um, I wrote it after watching like a K-drama or something. Like, <laughs> I think I, rem- I remember exactly how I wrote it, where I wrote it too. Um, so my sister came to Nashville for like a week or whatever. And we were literally like on the bed watching a K-drama on my laptop. And I think it was called like Extraordinary You or like some school drama where it was like very bright colors, very wholesome like infatuation between like these school kids and it was like one in the morning and I just like had this melody idea that I put in my voice memos I was like feel and I was like I just kept on repeating that over and over again and my sister's like Isha shut up (laughs) she's right (laughs) next to me and I'm just like like in the middle of the night she's like Isha stop (laughs) And I was used to living alone, so I was like, oh, shoot, like, there's a person here. So she was in my bedroom, and I went to my living room couch, which is literally separated by, like, a thin sheet of, like, paper wall. So I had my voice memos on, and, like, I had my laptop, and I was whispering into my voice (laughs) memos, like, these lyrics, like, it came very natural. Like, I finished the song in, like, 20 minutes. Like, it was very much based on the vibe. I was already in the mood of the TV show. I was already like, I had the storyline based on what the characters were going through. So all the work had been done. It was just a matter of like, how do I piece everything together? How do I, you know, um, (laughs) just write this song when someone's sleeping right there. So like, if I have my original voice memo, it's like, in the corner of the Like so much breath. So much for I will I will have someone pay to hear it like I'm not gonna release that you know all willy-nilly but that was just a funny story that I remember cool and wait so what was the song about <laughs> oh it's just about like a just an innocent like crush or like love song it is a very warm and cozy song that's what I thought when I listened to it I really liked it and is that your like process for every song that you write or do you do you just go with what you're feeling? It's definitely not the same anytime. Like every time is so different, which I think is what I love about it is um, that's why you never really get bored. And also with that song, it was very much like the song was there. I just had to like piece it together. But other songs, you don't really get that lucky. <laughs> so like you're literally like digging in the trenches to like finish it or like to find something for it. So a lot of times I'll start with like a concept or I'll start with like a chord progression and then the concept and then then it's a matter of just like okay how do I fit these lyrics or like how do I phrase it right so that I'm getting my point across in like a cool way but it's I would say it takes anywhere from like literally five minutes if you're so lucky like this is like strike of lightning like you finish the song in five minutes but it's usually really good because it's like, you know, in your head out. Or like, I had a song that took me months because I had the verse in my head and I just, there was no chorus that made sense with it until like months later I had an idea. But it varies. So you just have all these projects in your head just going on You all have the time? to, yeah. You definitely have to have like such a keen sense of everything that's going on because 
you can't wait for inspiration to strike because it's so random and so like rare so you know stuff like that like watching tv shows or reading i read a lot of books um so i'll like highlight a lot of lines that i like i have like a 40 page google docs of like different lines that i like um that i can kind of pick from and um yeah like podcasts like podcasts like these guys (laughs) i've gotten so many lines from podcasts and you just have to keep your ears open keep your mind open and it's it's a daily thing just write just write little stuff every day yeah and i can see how lyrics might be hard for some songwriters especially since they might have like the musical background but on the poetic side it might be harder to build up that skill it's it's definitely it's funny because I think people underestimate the value of both because I know really strong lyric writers, but if the melody is boring, like I don't, I don't care if you're Shakespeare, like I'm not, I'd rather read a book. Like I'm not going to like listen to you drone on in the same note, like so many times, but also, um, this like Nashville is insane about lyrics. Like that's why I think what I loved about it and also what I hated about it because I'm very melody driven like I love melodies and they're very lyric driven mm-hmm. like so like so many songwriters like so many popular artists there were like songwriters for other people like they started as songwriters oh my sister is in the room hello <laughs> oh, oh never mind <laughs> but I think um the best writers I know are so smart. Like, I'm thinking of, like, um, at least in Nashville, like, Tom Douglas. He's one guy who, like, you read his the lyrics of his song and you're like, oh, my God. Like, bro, you're a genius. Like, how do you... He takes really long to write his songs, but he just thinks so much about it. And then also, like, now that I was in Nashville, like, I can't listen to, like, stupid pop songs. <laughs> like, I love pop songs. I love good pop songs. But if it's, like so dumb and like just very vague i don't i can't you know resonate with it. i don't like it so both are important yeah and there's definitely some songs that i like where the music's really good and i can't understand what they're saying but it's fine oh <laughs> ariana <song>. grande <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no that's my that's my bitch understand. i love her <laughs> yeah i can't ever understand what she's saying but do you have any plans to record your music and like put it on streaming platforms soon yes i I'm in the process because I started recording music while I was in Nashville and then Miss Rona was like, not today, (laughs) like it's my world tour, honey. So I was like, okay, like (laughs) I guess I'll go home with like this half finished demo. But luckily, I think in August, almost like a couple months after I had started recording with the producer I liked, I went back for a week and um, just finished that up. So I have two songs that are you know, I have the masters. I have like, it's just a matter of like, what is my release plan? And then with this song, You Make Me Feel, that was very last minute of like, I wasn't planning on releasing it, but because it did so well, I was like, I need to like have it out there for people to listen and stream and stuff like that. So yeah, we have some stuff coming soon. Awesome. And after you're done with that recording, what are your plans like in the years coming ahead? If you um, have that in mind. My sister's here. She's like, is that Navani? Yeah. podcast? Yes. And you're interrupting. Wow, okay. you're, yeah. you're so good to your Instagram stuff. I literally die over. Oh my gosh, Robbie, don't interrupt our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> my, what was my question? <laughs> my question was, do you have like plans for the years coming? Hmm. That's, yeah, that's a good question. Honestly, like the pandemic definitely threw things, you know, you know, threw things like all over the place, but it was almost a blessing too, because I feel like there are newfound opportunities with online school and stuff like that, because I have so much opportunity to still do music while I'm in school because classes are like online. I don't have to like live far away from anything I know and Zoom rights are so common now. So um, I'm just planning on honestly like releasing a lot of music and trying to like build a fan base because I feel like I've been writing for so long and like performing for so long that I'm like finally ready to put it out there and like actually <laughs> you know work on the artist side of things rather than the process so I'm excited yeah awesome and would you like to give any advice to I don't know how many people are listening to this um about um writing their own songs and getting recognition because you're someone who makes a lot of opportunities for yourself and you know tries to get as many opportunities as possible so would you have any advice for that Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, thank you. I feel like um, you're giving me way too much credit here. (laughs) I definitely (laughs) just kind of like, (laughs) I would say, honestly, like there obviously there has to be like a love for it and fall in love with the process, because if you always have the end result in mind or like you only feel like you can enjoy it once you get this thing, first of all, you're not going to be a good musician because you're not going to make things that you know, come from your, from your soul or stuff like that. Um, and the process is like a big part of it. (laughs) It's like 99% of it. So if you don't find ways to enjoy it or find happiness in that, you will literally be so miserable. And, um, I would say young musicians, especially, I feel like there's such an opportunity now to, you know, be different and it's not in the hands of, you know, big labels or anything like that. So many independent people are popping off. So, don't wait for anybody else to, you know, give you permission to like start writing or start sharing your stuff. Like just do it, keep doing it, keep sharing and like refine. It's pretty straightforward. I just feel like people overcomplicate it. Just do your work and share it. (laughs) That's my advice. Well, thanks for being here. Dude, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot I hope fun. I didn't <laughs> hope I was a good a good second episode. <laughs> you are a great guest. <laughs> You're a great interviewer. I feel like this podcast is gonna pop off. I hope so. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Thanks. Bye. All right, everyone, that's it for today. I hope you had fun listening to Isha's story. And if you did, share this podcast with your family and friends. I also wanted to mention that I made an Instagram called Spill the Beats Pod for this podcast. So go check it out and follow it to stay updated. Have a wonderful week and I'll catch you next time. Bye.